the best bit about being Minister St Andrews is normally a Sunday morning watching Peter Lord at the frontier. Because he is fantastic. He's our little charismatic. He normally sings with his hands up in the air. He dances with delight. And there is this beautiful cheeky grin on his face when he's about to get him to do something that he's not meant to do. He is, in a sense, the epitome of why children provide us a good example of what it is to live. Remember a little while ago, his fascination with doors, going round wanting to open and close them, and the look of sheer delight in his face when he could do so, and of sheer frustration when his cruel, harsh mother wouldn't let him. And that sort of picture of that ebullience of infancy always takes me back to that picture from Mark's Gospel in what I think is one of the most important incidents in the whole of Scripture. When the di disciples, a bit like church people can be sometimes, are getting grumpy at the noise that the children are making, being pushed to the front and whatever else. And Jesus says, just hold on a minute. To such as these belong the kingdom of God. And you have to imagine then the great intake of breath from the assembled throng as they are stunned by what Jesus had to say. Because children normally wouldn't be given such status. As Jesus in effect says that crowd there, this is how you want to strive to be. You look at Peter, you look at Katie, you look at the children amongst you, and they paint a picture of something of what it is to be the people of God. And so this morning, briefly, we're just going to think about some of the qualities that children have that should speak volumes to us as we endeavour to continue upon our lives in the midst of the excitement of this world. The first thing, um, we've just come back from holiday. Um, Fran describes it as the Atkinsons on tour when we go off to wherever we go. And, and we've done the things we normally do. We've immersed ourselves in, in the local history. We've been to Rhodes, so we've been into the Acropolis of, of Greek times. We've been to the Knights Templars and they're setting up their main thing there. And we've been into the Italianate influences in the early 20th century. Uh, and we've, we've sampled all of that. We've been and we've sampled all the, the food that Greece has to offer, perhaps not all of it, but a good proportion of it, as we've tried the local delicacies to see whether they're worth it or whether they're worth not remembering and never trying again. We've tried to embrace the local culture, trying to learn something of the language so that we can order what we wanted to eat in Greek, much to the astonishment of the waiters who came and sought to deal with us. When we go on holiday, we tend to be quite inquisitive. We will clamber over ruins to try and gaze at significance. We will stand on the Acropolis and roads and look out at the fantastic view and contemplate why they chose that particular place to build their ancient Greek temple. Our minds were, Fran has about 15 million pictures of Louise reading information boards while we're away. We ask lots of questions and then you come home and you don't really do that when you're in Skipton. It's not the same. In the normalities of life, we lose that sense of being inquisitive. And children, of course, are incredibly inquisitive. 
From that moment when their eyes begin to focus and recognize the face of their parents, or they begin to pick things up and put them in their mouths to try and assess what it is that they are dealing with. As they progress, and, and Rachel and Patrick won't have got to this glorious stage yet, of Peter and, and Katie asking the question, why? 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 Those of you who are parents will remember these glorious days when your children bombard you with questions. It's an exciting days to look ahead to. You know, why are Burnley the best football team? The questions like that, Patrick, you'll need to answer. Inquisitive. Jesus, in effect, says to his followers, let's ask some questions. And if you look at the story of Jesus, you'll find that at various important points, when people are trying to get something out of him, trying to gain answers, all he does is he asks some questions. Or he tells them stories that don't really perhaps have a, a clear meaning, and you have to think about it to get to exactly what he is saying. Part of the challenge of the Christian faith is to use our minds. It's to look at the reality of the world. It's to hear the stories that are contained in Scripture. It's to listen to the stories of faith that are thereabouts and ask ourselves, what does it mean? What does this say to me? How does this point to the reality of a God who loves us? Because we're not presented with things on a plate. We're given this thing called free will, which requires us to respond to circumstances and to find those things that help us to discern something of the reality of what we're about. So when we've come this morning and baptised Katie, and we've talked about forgiveness of sins, we've talked about love, we've talked about God's Holy Spirit wanting to be involved in her life, the challenge for all of us, whether we are part of the church or whether we sit on the edge of the church or whether we are deeply sceptical, is to ask, what's happening here? What's the significance in this great story that the church dares to tell? And how does it relate to where we are in the midst of our life? For the picture we've presented this morning is of a different agenda to that which the world offers. And the invitation to be inquisitive, to explore, to seek, is of vital importance as we journey forward, as we seek to discover what it means to be human. And there's a second thing about children. Um, being a parent brings you some horrible responsibilities. Remember, uh, particularly with Fran when she was little, taking her to the doctors for injections. And you sit there with your 12, 18-month-year-old, you know, bobbing them on your knee, keeping them happy, knowing that the needle is coming. You have your chocolate button ready to put in their mouth at the key moment, which you do with as much uh, love and care as you can, knowing that their face is going to be contorted by the reality of what's happening in their thigh and the tears that will flow. It it's a heartbreaking moment. And yet, you do that, and half an hour later, the child's trust in you is as implicit as before you inflicted misery on them a few minutes earlier. Children are remarkably trusting. 
when Peter was toddling, holding on to that one finger and walking around the church almost incessantly, keeping Rachel's fitness routine up or whatever it may have been, the trust was that his mum wouldn't let him go. And he believed that whatever speed he went at, whatever was going on, mum would be there holding him that finger and enabling him to continue his walk around the place. The parent-child image is a very important one in Scripture because it speaks about this importance of trust, of belief, of acceptance. Read through the Bible story and you will find men and women who in the midst of the challenges of life hold firm in their trust in God believing, often in the face of the opposition of their friends and others, believing that all will be well. It's the story of Job in the Old Testament. It's there in the uh, life and times of Elijah, one of the great prophets of the Bible. They had life tough. They endured misery. They faced challenges that they didn't feel they were up to. And yet, they believed. They clung on to God. Yes, at times they may have asked questions, but they recognized their need, in spite of everything, to hold on to what they were being told. We believe in a God who is there in the midst of the rough times of life, who is there in the unpleasantness that we have to endure. A God who stands with us. A God who cries with us. A God who seeks to share with us in the midst of the bleakness of what life can offer to us. And the invitation to us is to trust him and to know that all will be well. We don't believe in a sort of candy floss God who, who waves a wand and, and makes things better. We believe in a God who walks with us, who shares, and who invites us to trust in him and to know that ultimately all will be well because of the promises that we have been made. The God who journeys who says to us, take my hand and trust in me. So we're called to be inquisitive, we're called to be trusting. And then there is a third thing. Uh, the, the people in Sanders will know that, uh, that, that Brexit has fascinated me. And, and it continues to fascinate me into what we're now being told. Uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, one of the leading figures in the, the Brexit moving, is telling us it may take 50 years for us to see the benefits. People are talking about food being stockpiled before next March, of the army being placed on the streets to ensure that there is no civil disturbance. It sounds like we're potentially going to regress into sort of a, a, a very dodgy situation because everyone, in a sense, is, is blowing it up into what it probably will not be. The newspapers, if you read their headlines, almost seem intent on painting the bleakest picture possible of what may happen 
either to inspire us to vote to favour one particular thing or to prepare for what is going to be. If you spend your life reading newspaper headlines, the chances are you're going to be depressed by what they are telling you. One of the things that the church believes in is the importance of joy, of celebration, of this thing that we call love, of being a community that holds people together who may have different views, in being a place where we can celebrate the reality of God's love in the midst of all the challenges that this world presents us. To offer a more positive worldview and say that things can be better if people come together and in love acknowledge differences and seek to build a future. In Zimbabwe in the last week we've seen something of the dangers of humanity where power becomes all-important, where what people want is pushed into the background. We in the church look for a place where diversity is accepted, where love is celebrated, where hope is born. Modelled on the example of Jesus who invites us to be like children. And one of the things that you see in the likes of Peter, and other children is an abundant joy that life brings. And the invitation to us is to find and celebrate that joy and thereby hopefully build something of a better world. Either think of the children you know or go back in your mind to those who have populated your history. And think of their essential qualities. And ask yourself whether that's a picture of you and what you need to do in a sense to embrace that possibility. Have we the courage to ask questions and allow ourselves to think of God and of his love for us? Have we the capacity to trust in the images that we receive and to dare to believe in the face of all the evidence. Do we want that thing called joy that lifts our spirit and gives us hope? For that's the journey into which we have baptised Katie this morning. The journey that we hope she will undertake and as she journeys, our hope and prayer is that she will find blessing. She will find richness. She will know love. And she will find the God who this day and every day loves her with a passion beyond her imagining. The God who offers to love us providing we can be like children and thereby discover the richness 
of God's kingdom. Amen.